Lord God, we rest in your presence. We rest in your love. We trust your goodness. And we ask you to heighten our awareness to the fact and reality that you are, that you care, that you are near. And as we continue these moments that remain, would you speak clearly to each one of us? Would you remove the yoke, the weight and heaviness that we place often on our own shoulders and give us yours, which is easy and light? And in that, God, as we scatter, may we go with you, move us to respond, to join you in what you are blessing, what you are doing. Come, Holy Spirit, move on your church. Come, Holy Spirit, pray that with me. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm so excited about what God is doing here at Marvin, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it with you here in CORE. I say it often, don't say it enough, I want you to know how much I love you. And more than that, I love Jesus. And it's important for you to know. And most of all, it's important that you know how deeply Jesus loves you. If you don't hear me say anything else this morning, hear that. Because he sees you, he knows you, God is with you through the person and work of Jesus. And I'm grateful for that. When I was six years old, I was learning how to swim. And my dad got a call one afternoon from the lifeguard, woke him up out of his nap, and said, Mr. Donaldson, you need to come pick up your son. He's peed in the pool. <laughs> and my dad gets out of his nap and starts driving to the, the pool, and he's in frustration a little bit, wondering how they know it was Mark, <laughs> which is what he asks the lifeguard upon his arrival, and their response is, Mr. Donaldson, he was standing on the high dive when he did it. <laughs> I say that because last week, I kind of felt like we were on the high dive, talking about fasting and looking at the water, thinking, you want me to what? So hard. I mean, jumping off the high dive is hard, but fasting is hard. And I think that Sabbath is not as hard and maybe even a little bit more life-giving, maybe hard to implement and integrate, but there are steps we can take in that. And so I want you to know how liberating, how light God's yoke is, how light his burden is and easy his yoke is. Because we continue this morning in this series on deeper disciplines. Last week it was a heavy weight of fasting. Today it's Sabbath. Next week solitude. And then we'll talk simplicity. And incidentally, after that Sunday uh, on simplicity, the February 19th, the following Sunday, Jarrett Davis is going to preach on rule of life. That's before Ash Wednesday our one church-wide worship, Ash Wednesday, 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. And following that, as we enter into the season of Lent, 40 days before Easter, not counting Sundays, Lent is a time of preparation to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. A lot of times we give things up. A lot of times we take things on. That's why we're talking about this now. During Lent, there's going to be a, a lab, if you will, on Wednesday evenings about rule of life, and we'll focus on these disciplines then 
as well, practicing them and celebrating the work that God is doing. And by rule of life, we don't mean rules. We mean rule of life. And what I'm talking about is the rhythm that God invites us to and draws us closer to him where we're more aware of his heart, aware of his work in the world, and our lives are just more naturally sent into the world, and we're responsive to what God is doing. Why is all that important? Because we are sent. We gather and we scatter regularly. That's a rhythm. We gather in Jesus' name. We scatter just the same as a sent people, not out of legalism, but out of love. When our lives are in sync and in rhythm with God, it results in that normal, natural outflow of being sent where we are, the faithful presence of God's love in all the dark places that we go. And don't you know there's darkness in the world? There is racism. There is unthinkable violence and brutality. And those things aren't solved by another program, but by people who bear and carry the mark of Jesus, the light of Christ inside of us. We're the faithful presence of love when we scatter into the world. And love has a name. Jesus is his name. And when our lives are lived with great intentionality, patterned after Jesus' way of being and living, gospel is the result. Sacrificial love is the result. And that's the fruit of the intentionality of pursuing these deeper disciplines that result in who we are and how we live our lives. It's just natural, the byproduct of these deeper disciplines. And so we're focusing on them again because they more deeply connect us to the heart of God and they heighten our awareness to God's activity in this world. And this rhythm has been a part of the world since the beginning of time. You think day one even, when God created this world and set apart light and dark, and it was day one. Since that time, the sun has never thought as if the sun could think, should I rise this morning? It just does as a holy habit, if you will. And there are rhythms that are a part of our lives as well, like sleep. We all need seven to nine hours of sleep each and every day, and then we wake up. And sometimes it feels like we get seven to nine hours of sleep a week. And we can't live like that. I can't live like that. And sometimes I feel like I do. But when we sleep, there are miraculous things that happen the way that God designed it. Healing takes place. Information is processed. Energy is restored. Sleep is a vital rhythm. One time Jesus was asleep in the hull of a boat. And this storm is going on all around. And his disciples were not sleeping. And they were a little bit off because they weren't sleeping and they woke Jesus up, who is all calm, cool, and collected, and quieted the storm with a single word. Sleep has the power to heal and affect even the storms of our lives. God invites us into healthy rhythms and habits, the practice of holy habits. And one of those habits wired into creation from the beginning of it all is Sabbath. We are invited into a habitual rhythm of rest, which is foreign to the world. And so countercultural 
to the way so many people live as if their hair is on fire. Sabbath is life-giving, and it's God's gift to the church. Now, for the record, I have much more experience with fasting. Not necessarily success all the time, but much more experience with fasting. My practice with Sabbath is almost nil. Leanne and I have long since had uh, great boundaries protecting our day off, and there are many times, barring crisis, where I will not answer this phone, turn the ringer off, don't look at work email. There are other healthy boundaries I try to practice throughout the week, like not emailing my coworkers and colleagues after dark, after 5 p.m., really. 9 to 5, that's what email is for. That's what scheduled email is for, one of the greatest inventions known to technology. But the thing is, Sabbath is so much more than a day off or healthy work boundaries. Healthy work-life boundaries may result from the practice of Sabbath, but Sabbath is so much more. So if that's true, if Sabbath really is God's gift to us, then what would our lives look like if we practiced it, opening that gift to enjoy it for all it's worth? Well, the first thing I want to do is define Sabbath. Biblically speaking, Sabbath is a day of complete rest from secular work following six days of labor. Again, it was established and modeled by God, and it has evolved over the course of time. The Hebrew word for Sabbath with a B literally means to stop, to cease and desist. It means complete rest. And that word Sabbath, Shabbat, is thought to have been derived from the verb Shavat with a, B, a V. And get this, the word Sabbath, Shabbat, is not found in the book of Genesis, but the word Shavat is, and it's modeled by God who Shavatted after six days of work, God rested on the seventh day, Shavat. In the Exodus passage that Mitzi read, there are a couple of things to point out about Shabbat. And the first is Sabbath means stop and rest, which is wildly countercultural. Stop and rest, which is countercultural. So incidentally, this commandment from Exodus, it's one of the ten. It's the longest of the ten commandments. And the context for these ten commandments is Egypt. Before the Israelites were delivered from their enslavement, their bondage, their oppressors, stop and rest from the work that you give yourself to. And this goes for animals in today's day and time, your heavy machinery, whatever it is you put your hand to, stop, rest. The reason being is it, it makes us, equates us like God. We're created in his image. Image bearers called, invited to cease and desist from work. These Ten Commandments are restated in the book of Deuteronomy, and that's after the exodus of Egypt. So in Exodus, it's while they're still in Egypt. Deuteronomy, it's after they're out of Egypt. And the commandment of Shabbat is restated a little different. And in it, we see the invitation to be different. 
In Deuteronomy 5, we see a reference to stop and rest. But there highlighted in yellow, we also see the practice of Sabbath is countercultural. The practice of Sabbath is countercultural. Observe the Sabbath because you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord delivered you from all that. Don't be like Egypt. Be different. Live differently. And the way we live our lives is a reflection of our belief in the sovereignty of God who doesn't need us, but he wants us. He invites us to be a part of all that he's blessing, of his work in this world. And to be clear, it's all God's work. When we work all the time as if it all depends on us, we're saying what we believe about God's sovereignty. And when we practice Sabbath, we're saying so much more about what we believe about God's sovereignty. Sabbath is an invitation from God, and our response is an act of humility before God to this gift from God. Sabbath is both rest and worship, and its practice is countercultural. So how do we do it? How do we practice Sabbath? I want to suggest to you there are four components of Sabbath, and these are largely agreed upon and derived from Pete Scazzaro, John Mark Comer. Four components of Sabbath are stop, rest, delight, and worship. First of all, Sabbath is a day to stop working, stop thinking about work, stop worrying about work. When we think about work on our day off, when we worry, when we think about the project or that engagement with a colleague or the boss lording over, your cortisol levels increase, stress rises. It's as if you were at work. Stop thinking about work on the Sabbath. What work, paid or unpaid, do you need to stop doing so that you can rest, which is a vital part of Sabbath? Taking naps, being bored, which is okay to do nothing, just to lounge or to enjoy leisure or to read or to eat. What are the things that you can give yourself to that restore and replenish? It's not all uh, sleep. There may be activity as well. And as you stop and as you rest and then give yourself to delight, there are things that energize you and give life and they spark joy, wonder, or gratitude. And it's okay to be grateful in those things and even to do those things on the Sabbath. So what is it that gives you joy and delight that you can do full force on the Sabbath? And the fourth component is worship. And it's a natural byproduct of stop, delight, rest, stop, rest, delight. Naturally give way to worship. So contemplate and reflect on the goodness of God, how great he is, how good he's been to you, how, how great his love is for you. Stop, rest, delight, worship. How do we do this practically? Well, there's a class you can take called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and it starts this week where Sabbath is just one part of it. But I've asked a few people who've already been in that class, Chris and Christy Hill, Joel and Carolyn Hudson, 
how they are integrating Sabbath practice into their life. They gave me permission to use their names and even to share some of their story. And so I want you to know, I want you to hear first and foremost, Sabbath is not necessarily Sunday. It can be any day. When I was growing up and used to equate Sabbath with going to church, and I thought, boring. (laughs) Who wants to spend the Sabbath like that? Sabbath doesn't have to be on Sunday. And Sabbath actually begins at sundown the day before. In Hebrew culture, that's when the next day started, when the sun went down 20 minutes thereafter. Sabbath begins, and you might kick it off with a meal and community, enjoying life in the context of people that don't stress you out, people that you know and love dearly. My friends Chris Christie, Joel, and Carolyn said they try not to be too legalistic. If something falls under those four components of worship, delight, rest, and stop, I said them backwards for you that time, they're good to go. If they don't fall in those things, they don't do them. And they even have a code phrase that's like, that doesn't sound too Sabbathy to me. <laughs> then they don't give themselves to it. Some of their rules include no email, no cell phones, ringers are off, no social media, no news, no alarm clock. Get outside and exercise if at all possible. Try not to have a super set schedule, but just roll with the punches, flow as the day comes. Sabbath activities include watching the sun come up or sleeping in, morning prayer, Bible reading, sitting with God and doing nothing and just being in his presence, playing sports, watching sports on TV, watching TV, watching movies, reading, sitting in the deer stand, watching nature, fishing, going for a walk, a drive, riding the ATV around property, eating their favorite foods. And I think that is the most important component of Sabbath. (laughs) Eat the Sabbath. All those things you give up during the week, eat. And redirect work and other anxieties to the Lord as those thoughts come up, asking him to remove them, or focusing on a scripture as a breath prayer, be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. The challenge they've articulated is to resist work, especially in the very beginning, not looking at email, not looking at emails from around the world as missionaries to Ukraine, giving up control, Practicing Sabbath when the world doesn't, or when your people don't do it like you do, or when others are just oblivious and interrupt you because they don't know. But the benefits undoubtedly include rest and recharge and the way that Sabbath spills over into the rest of the week because you've got to prepare mentally, which affects how you do things physically in order to get ready for Sabbath rest. But there is Rest and recharge. The blessing of relaxing and realizing that God is in control. And that spills over into all of life. I don't have to do everything. I am not the Savior. Jesus is. Added blessing of eyes to see this world and to see people as Christ sees them. And to be Christ to them. 
Sabbath is a reminder for us all that God is God and I am not. It's an invitation to let God be God because we are image bearers of God. And so Sabbath is an invitation to reflect God's image to this world that is running around oblivious to God's love. And the reality is God wants to give us this gift of Sabbath. It's God's gift to the church. He wants to give it to us. And we can't give what we don't have. We don't have what we haven't received, talking about all the peace that comes from practicing Sabbath. And you can't receive from God if your cup is full of Netflix or the Kansas City Chiefs. God bless them today. (laughs) Or doing your taxes or anything else that is a distraction to your Sabbath. Sabbath is a sweeping away of all the obligations of life. It's clearing the deck. It's resetting and resting so that you can receive from God. Otherwise, we can't because our cups are full of desires and obligations of our own making. Our lives are like video games where we are reacting to whatever life throws at us rather than responding with grace because God is at work in us. He's called us to be proactive, to receive his grace, to receive this gift of Sabbath. Sabbath is God's gift to the church. One time in Mark chapter 2, Jesus and his disciples were walking in a field, plucking off ears of grain, eating them, and the Pharisees were jumping all over their case because it was the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath is for man and woman. And it's not the other way around. Sabbath is God's gift to the church. So the Son of Man is the Lord of all, even over the Sabbath. It's not legalistic. It's liberating. Incidentally, I learned to jump off the high dive. And that gave way to a whole nother set of cascading events in my life where I was able to have fun and enjoy. I jumped off of a cliff into the Frio River at Garner State Park. I've swam in the ocean. I've whitewater rafted Colorado, Tennessee, West Virginia. I've floated the Comal River at New Braunfels. And I wonder... What series of cascading events is in store for us as we give ourselves to these deeper disciplines, fasting and now Sabbath? And my challenge to you that you've been exposed, if anything, have a conversation with your family at lunch or dinner about how might we integrate Sabbath into our lives or figure out where and how you can carve out Two hours of time, or maybe a half a day, a morning, and there's no email, there's no social media, there's no TV, it's just you resting, enjoying rich food, being with people that you love, being with God. I want to challenge you to consider how you might take a step in this direction of the practice of Sabbath 
And I wonder how it might lead to other practices of Sabbath and how it might lead to other and greater things, not just for you, but for us. What if we led the Sabbath revolution here in CORE, how it might affect the rest of this community or Marvin or the city of Tyler or East Texas because we're in sync and in rhythm with the work that God wants to do in our lives through this church. And I know that there are people in the room who are like, I've got two kids, one on my hip. I've got taxes to do, bills to pay. My spouse is gone half the time. I've got a sick parent. I've got work that is unending. I've got life, and I'm not sleeping well, and you want me to practice Sabbath. You're off the hook. I want you to know that God sees you. God loves you. He cares deeply for you. And when the time was right, he stepped down out of heaven in the person and work of Jesus. He lived and died, was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. And when he did, because he did, he went from being someone on the outside of us to the one who lives inside of those who claim his name, Jesus, and receive this gift of salvation. Forgiveness, yes, freedom is everything. Let me encourage you that much. Don't do Sabbath. Do Jesus. He loves you. He is with you right here, right now. And I'm excited about the work that he's doing here in CORE and at Marvin. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we trust you and are grateful for the way you're working in our lives and all that you long to do. And so we take a step in your direction, starting out with simply receiving your love. And we pray, God, that you would help us to engage in conversation about fasting or Sabbath and to take steps in the direction of integrating those, even if in some small way, that we might experience transformation, that we might be in sync with you very naturally, that our being sent might be lived in rhythm with you out of the overflow of our relationship with you. So move on your church to that end. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.